Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So uh, it's the Osceola turkey that's only located in Florida. And uh, then we hunted the eastern here in Alabama. And then we went to Kansas for the Rio. And then we flew from Kansas to South Dakota for the Marion's. We went by the National Wild Turkey Federation map. We didn't want it there to be any hybrid uh, hybridization, like kind of when you get close to blending those lines, you tend to get hybrid. So we went uh, straight off their map is the reason why we picked the areas that we did. I'm Graham Taylor, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. everybody welcome to the podcast today we have one of my favorite podcast guests of all times in fact it's one of my favorite people to go hunting or fishing with graham taylor he's my good buddy he's the best turkey hunter that i've ever been around and uh, he's gonna come on the podcast and tell us a story about setting the national wild turkey federation record for the grand slam all four turkeys in a in a certain time period they just accomplished it, and uh, it's a really awesome story. And Graham also uh, tells lots of other stories, including um, this albino turkey that he found and has uh, has now killed. And um, and also, while we're talking about those things, he gives a lot of really, really, really good advice for turkey hunters. So if you're a turkey hunter and uh, you're you're interested in turkeys, this is a particular good one. Uh, Graham is an excellent woodsman, and you can learn something from a guy like this. So here we go with Graham Taylor. Graham, what's up? You're surrounded by huge animals. <laughs> <laughs> this is my little fly-tied room. Is it? Uh-huh. Right on, man. You got some big deer behind you. So what have you been up to? I know we got to catch up on a couple of things. I know we, what you've been doing, but what uh, what does a spring hold for for you other than turkey hunting? 
managing habitat, doing a lot of trapping, um, selling land, um, not fishing. I've been doing a lot of work here lately, so hadn't been able to do much of that. But uh, we have done a lot. Um, we have done a lot of fun things in the turkey woods this year. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, I know we're going to get to that, but what? I mean, that's what you're doing um, when you say you're managing habitat and you're selling land. Is, is that that's? I mean, we've known each other for a long time, and it took me a while to figure out what it was that you did for a living because it just seems like you go hunting and fishing all the time. But um, tell tell me what what would you say if somebody asked you that didn't know you what you did for a living? What would you say? I sell land. For a living and uh, help people find farms that are um, that have really good habitat that they can buy and keep for their family for a long time. And I also uh, enhance those farms uh, for habitat and wildlife and um, just a lot of times aesthetics, make bass lakes, things of that nature. Yeah. But I primarily sell land and uh, I work for now for uh, on the land side, on the habitat stuff, I work for one farm one family farm now um this in Childersburg Alabama so I'm having a lot of fun with that uh kind of baby in that property and bringing it up and making it really neat for wildlife but uh I do branch out to people who buy land from me and I help them on the farm and I stay involved uh after they buy the farm so right so I'm did kind of constantly moving around Alabama did you study anything like that in college or did you is this all kind of uh, a lifetime of of being in the outdoors that helps you to know all this well when i went to school i was uh the this family friend of mine kenny freeman got me a job with westerville wildlife services and i started guiding turkey hunts there and so uh it was really there that i got i guess i got bit by the whole bug <laughs> of the managing habitat and turkeys and uh, i saw people turkey hunting in uh a different way and it was neat to see their success and it kind of drove me to want to learn more what do you mean and, in a different uh, way i just always came back with them you know <laughs> you mean like they were they were successful and maybe yeah, you, with the you weren't always clients, at that point i mean with the with the most novice of clients they were still able to be successful and i just found that really interesting you know a lot of people can go into the woods and kill a turkey on their own but when you go and take somebody else that has that's not used to that um, it, it's a whole nother element when you bring somebody to the woods that isn't used to it. And so there's another challenge and it was fun to see those guys overcome those challenges when I was young, you know, 18 years old and watch them come back, man, he's got another one. And then the next day they got another one. So it just kind of, uh, showed me that there was a way. So you're watching these guys go out and get, get big turkeys or any turkeys with novices. A lot of the same, there's a lot that, it's similar to that. Like when I first started guiding in the keys, man, I would see people go out with anglers that were literally terrible and they would come back with permit or tarpon. And I just, I just thought, man, that is, that's amazing. I mean, guiding, guiding will, will certainly make you a better angler um, because of that, because you're having to um, overcome so many things like whether, whether a person can't cast very far or very accurately or, Maybe in turkey hunting, I'm sure that it's that they can't sit still long enough. And, yeah. you know, that, that has to be. Me. Yeah, you think that's you? No way, man. Yeah. Uh, you, you know when to sit still. You may not be able to sit still very long because you, you, you can't pay attention that long, but you know when to sit still. And when it's time, you don't move. You're like a moss starts growing on you. I've been with you. Um, 
But what do you think it was with the with those guys in turkey hunting that that made the difference that you learned, you know, as a young young guy watching? And there's this one guy in particular, his name is George Mayfield, and I just would see this twinkle in his eye, like when he would walk into the woods. It was just a hard to describe. It was just like this. Um, I don't know. He was not arrogant. He was just a sense of confidence when he walked in the woods, a sense of peace. And he was uh, a, a minimalist, which I've become, you know, in the turkey woods. But uh, it, it, he was just such a woodsman and, and knew where to be. And it was just the next level of it was just like. Uh, it's just the next level. It was just a level that I never thought was achievable. And mm. I see this guy doing it. And um you know, for, it was there that I really, I mean, th honestly, that's what really spawned me is watching him. Mm. You stay in touch with him? Yep. Yep. Does he still teach you a lesson or two every now and then? Well, my buddy Max Adams was uh, along at that time. And me and Max, uh, we stay in contact a lot as well. And Max is like an Indian. Max is more the woodsman. Mm. And uh, he would walk through the woods and not very call, really call much at all put himself in the right spot and so it was neat to be around all these people and then uh i got to be around the guides i got to be around people like tom kelly um you know the famous turkey writer that a lot of people have read a lot of their stuff i used to sit on the porch with him at westerville i didn't even know who it, i was who i was talking to at the time and now <laughs> it's uh tom kelly but uh there's a lot of people that influenced me and maybe i was a little naive but uh a lot of the things that uh, they told me, I'll never forget. Mm. And most all. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's a great, a great opportunity to be around, you know, people that have more experience than you that are, that are willing to share it. Do you think that like with Tom Kelly, do you think that there was a, a time when you're, you're kind of talking to him or that, that you kind of have this, like a, an epiphany of, of things that, that you, that you're not currently doing or, or was it just over time that you just started picking up little things here and there? Uh, well, I had to slow down. I was a little bit running too fast back then <laughs> when I was talking to Tom Kelly and things like that. So uh, I wasn't as absorbent as I should be, you know, looking back on it now, I'm like, what I would give to be sitting on that porch again with him. Yeah. But uh, I'll never, you know, I probably won't get that chance again, but uh now I'm a little bit more absorbent of things, a little bit slower about the way that I walk about the woods mm. instead of trying to force things. Yeah. Used to try to force things all the time. Like, and you can't really force things seems to be in nature. You just kind of got to let it flow. So. Well, you, you, uh, I've had the opportunity to go turkey hunting with you. You're definitely, you're definitely the best turkey hunter that I've ever, ever been able to hunt with. And, um, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool because I, you know, we went even to, to my land and we're hunting, you know, in a place that, that I know, and then you just do it. It's, it's just like going with a really good fishing guide. You know, you go to the same spot, but you do things just, just a little bit different. And, and that little bit different makes all the difference in the world. And whether that's hunting or fishing or really whatever, uh, the guys that really know what's happening, they, they only do it slightly different but those those little nuances are what make all the difference in my opinion that's what i see you know when i'm watching people like man that's i was i was close but i wasn't there you know what i mean 
<laughs> yeah, that sounds like my tarpon fishing career. Yeah, <laughs> well, you'll you'll learn the same with the tarpon fishing, and that you're you're really close. But but just a couple little changes will make all the difference in the world. Now, one of the things that like you sent me, you sent me two two things recently. Um, one is is the world record, and uh, you tell us about this this whole i mean this this record that you're trying to get is pretty incredible um honestly and so it's the national wild turkey federation has a record for the grand slam in and it's in it's gotten down to numbers of hours rather than numbers of days or weeks or months that it would take to to kill all four turkeys um and and that's the record that you just went after right yeah, well, my buddy John Caspis was the one that uh, was pursuing the, the goal. Um, he's been a friend of mine, uh, I guess, since I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, was actually my football coach oh, when, yeah? I was, uh, when I was younger. And uh, he called me a pro day of him and Slade Johnson. Uh, it's pretty neat. Uh, concept they had was to try to beat that world record. And uh, What was it before? It was 46 hours and some change. 46 hours. So for people that don't know much about Turkey, um, where are these four turkeys located in the country? So uh, it's the Osceola turkey that's only located in Florida. And uh, then we hunted the eastern here in Alabama. And then we went to Kansas for the Rio. And then we flew from Kansas to South Dakota for the Marions. Mm -hmm. We went by the National Wild Turkey Federation map. We didn't want there to be any hybrid uh, hybridization like Kind of when you get close to blending those lines, you tend to get hybrid. So we went uh, straight off their map is the reason why we picked the areas that we did. Okay. And so you, in order to do this in, in what was the previous record? 46 hours? 46 hours. So in order to even to go from Florida to Alabama to Kansas to South Dakota, right? Those are the, those are the places that you went that. I mean, that's a lot of traveling. So you've got to do this in 46 hours. Um, <laughs> I mean, do you start with the, how do you, where do, where do you even start with this? Do you start with the logistics and then obviously you know different places? Who who knows all the information? Um, I mean, just help, how does it even start? I don't even know. That's such a, that's such a huge area and such a huge accomplishment that I wouldn't even know where to start. How did, how did you guys do it? So, uh, Slade Johnson has a company called Trips for Trade, where like, uh, like if I was going to take somebody's striper fishing, um, I could trade somebody a striper trip for a hunt in Kansas, vice versa. So he's real, really well connected with people all around uh, the state. Uh, I mean, all around the United States with these neat places. So Slade was heading up where we went, okay. and he was behind the logistics, and. Uh, we were the first part about logistics. We knew we knew we wanted to finish in Kansas and South Dakota, but uh, we didn't know whether we wanted to start on the Osceola or the uh, or the uh, Eastern first. And uh, we figured we'd sh- try to get the hardest turkey that we know first, which is was the Alabama Eastern. Um, and uh, so we started with the Eastern and. Uh, you know, we're trying to kill them. This is one thing that in the end it kind of comes back to uh, doubt. But uh, we're trying to kill them as fast as possible. So right off the limb, 
<clears throat> we move into a roof site and the turkeys are behind us. They fly down. You know how it goes with the cameras. They can't get on them. So <laughs> we had let them walk off and, and, and that's the way that went. And we ended up calling that group back up. Uh, long story short, we ended up killing one at like 930 the Eastern in Alabama. And uh, we went straight from there to Florida. Um, when we got to Ocala, Florida, uh, Paul was our host there. He was a great guy. And he had uh, been seeing this turkey in front of his house, kind of in front of his, in his pasture. So we went and set up on him. You know, uh, Osceola's are slick. A lot of times they'll uh, come out and just back up, like, uh, like get the heebie-jeebies and just back up. I mean, they're bad about coming inside and walking off quick. And so uh, that's exactly what happened to us uh, right off the bat. And we were sitting there thinking that we were uh, going to have to go back to Alabama and start over again. This is going through our mind, like we're going to have to go tomorrow, back to Alabama, kill a turkey and start over. About that time, two turkeys come out of the Palmettos directly to the north of us. <clears throat> and they were going to roost, you know, just right over here. But we tried to yelp at them, and they were kind of non-responsive. They were following one hen. And there was a little dip in the train and a big block of palmettos, and John uh, ran over there and got kind of in the way. And when they came out behind the palmettos, he, he got them that way. <laughs> and so uh, that, well, that was 20 minutes left to spare. Um uh, in Florida or else we were going to have to go back to Alabama. And so, start over. so you guys had it down to a timeline to where you thought, okay, we're going to start here and, and we need to get the second one by this amount of time so that we have enough time to, to, to get the rest of them done. And you had yep. it down to 20 minutes to spare that you could be in Florida. Well, we were down to 20 minutes of legal shooting light. We were oh. about to run a shooting light. You know, it was in the afternoon and, you know, we didn't want to do anything. He, he couldn't, I mean, we're, we're, we're filming the whole thing and not the, you know, we were, we were, we had 20 minutes left of legal shooting line and, uh, that just happened the way it worked. They worked, they came out and, uh, you know, right there about 10 minutes before and it worked out great. And so off to Kansas, we went and we met, uh, so how do you get to Kansas? Uh, John is the pilot. Um, he, the guy that was John Casmus who was doing the shooting was the pilot of the plane. And so, uh, he, uh, we, we flew to the plane, got in the air, um, flying and we landed in Kansas about two 30 in the morning hmm. and, uh, slept in an interesting place for <laughs> about an hour about an hour or so and uh our guy casey there had been on these turkeys and he had roosted them the evening before so we wanted to get under them early because it was opening day of kansas season so i think we were an hour and a half before daylight under the turkey sitting where we needed to be and sure enough at daylight they were in the corner of the field and uh that hunt that hunt was just textbook they flew down worked right in we it was like a 15 minute hunt and uh, it was just a beautiful thing out there. And so we jumped in the plane, sprinted to South Dakota, and uh, the we were we went to an Indian reservation um, in South Dakota for the Marians. And uh, Sean, the guy uh, who has a homestead in the middle of the Indian reservation, met us at the airport. 
and drove us straight to uh, the turkeys. We got there about 11 in South Dakota. And so here we are, we're, we're sitting on about uh, 24 hours. We had, in 21 hours, we had killed the three species. Wow. And, we're about to, and we're about to get uh, the Merriam's. As soon as we get out of the car, we saw them. And, <laughs> uh, but you know how things go in turkey, honey. It, it never goes as planned. Right. So we got in there to uh, hunt the Merriam. We yelped one up right off the bat. And he was just over a rise and they couldn't really get him on camera. And that turkey walked off. And so we hunted for like uh, till dark that day. Had a couple opportunities, but not really good. And uh, so we're going into the last night. That afternoon we got back, we were just bummed. We thought we were done. And uh, the guy there, Sean, had, had uh, done the math. And he's like, hey. Because y'all killed the turkey in Alabama at 9.30, you had 23 minutes of shooting light in the morning huh. to be at to be 46 hours. And we're like dragging back to the truck thinking it's over. And he says that. And we're like, okay. Huh. But uh, so the next morning it was uh, 21 degrees and my clothes were soaking wet from the sweat from the day before. So I let Sean and John and um, Slade, who's a really great caller as well, they went down to the roost and killed the turkey in like 10 minutes. And it was just an amazing hunt. And it, you know, it ended in 45 hours. So uh, 45 hours, 52 minutes is what it was. Wow. Wow. And so it was all to benefit the NWTF. I think we uh, got like 237. National Wild Turkey Federation memberships during the during the process. Nice. And uh raised over twenty three thousand dollars for the National Wild Turkey Federation, which is an awesome, you know, uh so how did you know, how did everything. how did you raise that money? What are people they giving you money per turkey or what? No, here's where John and Slade come in again. They have this they had this um where you could uh pick it was called under thirty six dot com. And you could pick the time you thought it would take us to get um, to accomplish it. So everybody's picking and their raffles all throughout the thing. They're raffling stuff off. There were, I don't know if you saw the sponsor list, but there were lots of sponsors that got behind this. And, um, you know, a, you know, a lot of competing brands, everybody was just in, in, involved in it because it was for the National Wild Turkey Federation for turkeys. And so we were just raffling stuff off constantly. And um, every time you would make a, a guess, you would give it, it would be a donation to the NWTF. So we raised $23,000 for the NWTF wow. during the process. So it was just uh, a really neat thing to be a part of. Wow. But I, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds, it sounds like there wasn't a lot of sleep. Like five hours and 48. Five hours of sleep. So, but to beat it, you would have to, I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's entirely possible that you could, I mean, you were there at 21 hours or something. You were, it could have happened and that would have probably it, it said would have it. Been, it could have been done in 26 hours if we had just gone over the hill. And you know what I call it, Tom, when you rise up on top of the hill and you can get them, but uh, I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but that could have happened. Yeah. <laughs> he was up there for a minute. Yeah. Well, but, uh, I mean, it, you it did leave some, you, you left a little room for somebody else to come and try it again. 
Hey, and that's the whole thing with the uh, under36.com is everywhere. They're there to promote anybody who wants to try to do it again and um, facilitate that and help them, uh, you know, give them any advice. So that's a pretty neat thing. Wow. Because we know somebody, there's a lot of great turkey hunters in the world and they're coming to do. Yeah. So, well, they got to have, they got to have some other things too, like a plane. You think you, you could do that a in a truck? You couldn't do no. it in a truck. No, no. And in, in the, the amount of mistakes you can make are so minimal. You put yourself into a, like a mindset of hunting where you're like, um, I've never been in many fishing tournaments, but I, I felt like I was almost forcing things in a way where I should have been just letting it, like if I was just hunting with my friends, I would have just been letting it go and it probably happened a lot quicker. But since so much was on the line, I was, I maybe hunted a little bit different than I would have normally. Yeah. But you can't argue with success. I mean, that's, that's, that's success. Four turkeys, four states in uh in the short amount of time that's pretty impressive yeah we had a, we had a crew of people most of the time um, so uh, uh i don't know if you got a chance to see the video but they did a really neat job on it that's awesome so in your opinion which was the most difficult yeah well the alabama turkey and the and the osceola was the most difficult for sure yeah but uh the south dakota turkeys were um driver error we you know we put ourselves in some situations and terrain that um maybe looking back on it probably could have done differently but uh i don't know they all had their flair yeah. we had a guy with a flashlight in kansas come underneath the roosted turkey um off a neighboring property so that was uh that was <laughs> hard to watch but it ended up making the turkey fly down early. So, but uh, there were there were pink elephants, as I call them, and then in all the hunts, for yeah, sure. really, like something <laughs> that was going wrong on every one of them, every single one of these turkeys. That hundred percent, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. But that's that's what's incredible about it is that that you made it happen, even with all the different people, all the different you know timelines, everything else. Uh, you, you guys made it happen. So are there, um, had you ever, you, you had hunted all four of these species, right? Before? Yeah. Several times. Yeah. So is there a difference, um, from one to the other in your opinion? Um, you know, the Eastern is, um, big cat and mouse. He, but you know, it doesn't like to be called to a lot. doesn't like to be power called to. You got to do a lot more waiting after you call. Um, the Osceola is straight up like a slick eastern. I, I think that um, in certain terrains that they're they're even wilier because um, they live in tighter terrain with that palmetto and stuff like that. And the Osceola is just from the most times I've hunted them, you just got to be very you you can't be messing around. You got to be looking all the time because they're going to sneak in there and try to get a look and try to see the hen. And if you're not looking, I mean, just a little bit, you're, he may back out. Mm. And so uh, then you go to the Rios. They're very, uh, the, the Rios uh, gobble a lot, so you can roost them in the evenings. Yeah. And uh, that really helps with your position the next morning. Um, the Merriams, they gobble a ton. They gobble all day. They're very nomadic. 
So they may go like a mile one day where you think they're just in this area, but really they're a thousand acres away. And um, so they all have their thing. And in the open country, like the Merriams and the Rios, you really want to use like a friction call, like a box call or a slate call, something that'll penetrate the wind. Um, whereas when you're hunting um, Easterns and Osceolas, you can, you really want to be quiet, you know, a lot more quiet with your calling, a lot more natural. But the more, the, the, the more volume you can get on the Rios and the uh, Merriams, the better. Mm. Just because that's dense air, the country's real open, and the, the sound just doesn't carry. Right. Like it does in the big woods. So, so if you, uh, if you're, if you're, well, adept with the with the Easterns or the Osceolas, you're probably in pretty good shape as far as your hunting techniques and, and being a being a you go for the hardest one first, then it kind of sets you up for success on the others. Is that fair to say or are they different enough? <laughs> it's to, fair to say that was our plan, but the barium <laughs> ended up taking us the longest. So yeah. <laughs> well, that's turkey hunting. That's the cool thing about it is, you know, it's a very humbling sport. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Um, I we pulled sure. into Montana yeah. last week uh, to see Turner graduate, and I sent you the video of the of the Merriam in the field right next to our house. And man, that thing wouldn't shut up. It would come out at about um, seven o'clock in the morning, and it was just gobbling its head off all all around the house. And then um, it would disappear all day long, and then it would be back about six o'clock, and it would gobble its head off all the way to the roost. It passed dark. It's it's goblin, and I was like, man, where? Why don't I have any turkeys like this? Where where I turkey hunt, but um, that turkey seems like it would be real easy to kill. Um, <laughs> real easy. Until you go try to kill him. Yeah, Turner got a Turner got an elk call, and he was calling to the thing and made it sound something like a turkey, and the thing was just gobbling back to him and coming coming. I mean, he was coming. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big difference when you go to start trying to kill them though. They, they don't usually act the same. Congrats to Turner on graduation. God, it just seems like yesterday he went there. No kidding. No kidding. Time's fly, man. Um, (laughs) time flies. He, uh, he has had a, a really great, um, time there and Hayden, Hayden too. They're both out there and managing, managing to, you know, hunt and fish, a ton, ski a ton, hike a ton, camp a ton, but keep it together enough to graduate. And uh, pretty impressed, actually. <laughs> pretty impressed <laughs> by that part. <laughs> you know, there's a Get lot of distractions. Skills that's, down. that's right, man. There's a lot of distractions. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of distractions at any college, but man, you're out there in the middle of Montana and Bozeman, Montana. I mean, man, the kind of distractions, I don't know if you and I could have made it. We'd have been, we'd have been hunting and fishing every, everywhere, but you know, they, they do a lot, but Turner, Turner managed to, to, uh, to balance his time. And, you know, he, there were a lot of times I'm, I'm super proud of him for, for graduating because there were a lot of times where he just, he just didn't want to do it. And, and I can't say that I could argue with him that much. I mean, he was like, look, I'm, I'm not learning anything that I think I'm ever going to use and just don't want to do this. And I feel like I'd rather just go to work and, you know, I was like, well, can't really argue with you, but I just kept saying to him, you know, there are things in this world that require that piece of paper. And if you find that thing, like say for whatever reason, 
you know, you don't know about it right now, but you decide that you want to be a, a vet. Um, that's one of the things that requires that you have that piece of paper. And yeah. if you find that out when you're 26 and you don't have that piece of paper, man, it's going to be tough for you to go back to school. And I mean, that's just going to be really tough, especially if you got a wife and a baby at home or, or something. I just kept putting those scenarios in his head. Like you got time. If you knew what you wanted to do and you were making good money doing it right now, I don't, I don't know that I could argue with you. Uh Oh, we lost your video. Sorry. I see it. Somehow I got getting a phone call through uh, airplane mode. Oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it was cool to see him, see him graduate. We got to meet all his friends. We had a little party for him. It was, it was fun. It was a good time. Um, so the other thing that you sent me recently is what I've got to think is the most difficult turkey in the world to kill. And it's this, this albino piebald turkey that you've been hunting for years. <laughs> no, actually, we found him this fall. This fall, uh, he came well, it to, seems like yeah. years. You keep sending me pictures of him. I've been taking pictures of him <laughs> so much. You know, uh, we we took pictures of that thing. I did. Uh, I would sit in the vine from five to five in the afternoon taking pictures of him, and uh, way too much time that I want to say on here. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time in the woods on that turkey, and he disappeared on us. Um, the family that I work for in Childersburg, uh, they're, they're a great family. I just, the, the kids that, uh, that I hunt for that, that, that are there, they, I mean, they're some little killers. They can get them. <laughs> and, uh, we just couldn't, we couldn't, we could not find this turkey. And, uh, I had a gut feeling, um, towards the end of the season. I don't know. I just couldn't shake it. I was like, I think he might be back in the back corner of these pine woods. And I went checking tracks after a rain. I found one set of uh, gobbler tracks. And uh, I called the boys, Miller and Harris. Um, and I told them, I said, boys, I think, I, I, think, I think he's back here in this set of woods. And about that time, I came out to the cornfield, and there he was in full strut. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And uh, we only had, it was uh, towards the end of the season, so we were running out of time. And uh, so we hunted him for two days and, uh, you know, things just, it, the turkey would not come to calls. He's ultra paranoid. I said he was scared of butterflies, <laughs> but uh, he just kind of was in his own little, he just had his own little routine that he, that he had to stay alive because other turkeys picked on him. Oh, they did. Um, pretty good. Yeah. But he had girlfriends too at the same time. So. Huh. He was kind of doing his own thing on the uh, the far end of the farm. And uh, when he went away one day, we went towards where his roost was, and there was one white feather sitting under this uh, longleaf, uh, longleaf pine that uh, turkeys have been roosting since I was, I guess, 15 years old, 16 years old. It's just been a habitual roost tree. And I just said to my buddy Josh, this is where we need to sit. This is where we need to stay. And uh, the next day we stayed there for the, from daylight to 4.30 and finally at 4.30 he came back to that tree and we, you know, we got him. And it, wow. was, a true, it was a true, uh, it was a true, you know, one of those unicorns that uh, you now, never saw. Now when you're sitting there like that and you just think that you've outsmarted him, 
is there any reason to call or are you just waiting for, to, to see him come? He wasn't good to call at. Like he was, uh, one day, uh, one time I called at him and he ran like a cheetah was chasing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, That's what I would think. Uh, you know, with a turkey that spooky and that, that rare and that strange and the life that that thing has to have lived, I would think that maybe you just got to get in his way and I'm not a good And it's enough. not that the turkey calling was his problem. It's that when he heard a hen, he associated that with other gobblers being with the hen. So he's like, oh, no, they're coming to get me. I got to go. Right. And so he would just. So he, he did a lot. He, he did a lot of gobbling, a lot of strutting during the day quietly without doing a ton of gobbling. He would gobble about every hour on his own randomly. But uh, he is a paranoid turkey. Did it have a, a, a. did it sound like any other turkey or did it have a particular slide on you could, there's no difference. couldn't tell any yeah. difference. So it let's talk about Eastern wild turkey that uh, lack pigment, like a uh, similar to a piebald deer, but with uh, a lot less pigment. Yeah. So have you ever seen one even similar to this at all? Uh, there's turkey right here. It's an albino that I killed at a Rio Grande albino. There's pink toenails and pink eyes. And I killed that in Texas um, in the 90s, in the mid-98, I think, 99. Um, and I never even had heard of anything like that. Mm-hmm. But this turkey had uh, more coloration, had a little pigmentation, but he had white toenails, white spurs, blue eyes, you know. Um, he was, I don't really know. We, we, don't, we don't really. How rare do you think that? A turkey like that is. I've, I was, uh, somebody told me the other day, but you know, very extremely rare. Extremely rare. So, a turkey that that is white and 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 exhibits such such difference. Like you're saying that the other turkeys are picking on him. Obviously, predators could see that turkey. What is that turkey? What is that turkey's life? like that makes it i mean i would think that that would be 10 times harder to kill that turkey than any other turkey if it's made it to adulthood in that condition so when i would when i would take his pictures i've been i've been around a lot of gobblers and i've been into turkey photography now pretty good for about four years to where i've i spend a lot of time with them and uh, i kind of get to know when i can move and do things but that turkey always any little thing that was weird, he would just back out. Mm. And he wouldn't ask either. He would just start leaving. Just, and he's gone. And uh, the same thing with with uh, hunting him. The, the, last, the, the second day, the day before we killed him, we're sitting there yelping at him. And coyotes came from all around, closing him, running across the ag field. They knew his gobble. And um, so because he was white, they knew that the predators knew when he started gobbling, that was him. I mean, they know that, I mean, it may sound like the same gobble to us, but they know that that's that gobbler. He's in that area and they're flanking him. So there was a, there was a swamp in the middle and they were trying to go around one side. I'm sitting on the, we were sitting on the other. So he had a, he had a really tough life. We would assume. Yeah. And, and it, but tell me about like, like these pictures that you send me and, and for, for everybody that's listening, Graham and I have a text thread that that we send each other pictures of awesome animals or big fish or whatever we're happened to catch or, or killing at the time. But 
one thing that he's been sending me regularly are these pictures, these incredible pictures, and you can see a lot of them on on your Instagram, right? These the ones that you've that you've taken of these turkeys, but you take these incredible pictures of turkeys, and when I see that, I'm like, man, you're so close. You have to be so close to that turkey. Like even if you have a 400 millimeter lens, you are you're way closer than bow range to these turkeys. It seems like. How do you do that? Well, I, I, when I'm when I'm taking the pictures of the turkeys, I like getting in gun range, like I would be hunting. I'm I, I, I try to position myself right there. I don't like to be away from them. Um, in in any photography situation, like it's just another game, you know, to play with light and um, where you are and being in the right position. And in photography, turkey photography, it's best not to be calling a bunch because the turkeys come in and they're looking for the hand that was calling, and then they'll walk off. You don't get any pictures. So it's best to hunt them like the Indians did and kind of get where they are and get intercept them in their core areas and be there so you can be with them to take more pictures. So it's kind of made me hunt a little different as well. Mm -hmm. And um, does it make you better? You think you've gotten to be a better turkey hunter because of the photography? Because I sit there from uh, five in the morning, sometimes to three in the afternoon. I'm with them a lot. I like all most, I'm with them a lot. (laughs) And, and, uh, I, I kind of get to anticipate their movements a different way. And I feel like, I don't know, it may sound weird. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I can put myself in their shoes a little bit better by yeah. being around them a lot. Right. And so when you're around them a lot, say they come into where you've, you set up where you think you're, they're going to come into this field or whatever. And you set up there just like you would hunting. And then they, then they move off of that field for whatever reason, maybe they sense you, maybe they just, have spent enough time there. Will you follow them? Do you start following them and you don't ever follow them? No, I'm not big on it because then I deplete my resource. If I try to follow them and I bump them or something, then they know what's up. And then I mean, once the turkey knows he's being hunted, it's really hard to get back on them again. I mean, they have that going for them. So I'd really try to baby them and I float around the radius of their core areas and, hope they come to me that way but big thing we do is uh we try to never go into their areas mm. ever you know we try to get them on the outside wait so never go in there but you want to be i mean it's okay to be there before they get there right right in the morning time that's right. your shot right in the daylight and um if you can get out of there without them knowing you're a lot better mm. for the next day and then repeat it but you know, the afternoon hunting can be very effective, especially towards the end of the season. But going in in the in the daylight to afternoon hunt, the turkey can be anywhere, and then he's going to nail you with his eyes and move off. And so you've lost him not for the next one, and probably for a week or so, a lot um, of times. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. very familiar with that scenario. <laughs> 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 that seems like that's really easy to do. I mean, you you when you're checking out a new piece of property or whatever, and you kind of poke your head out into this field and you're looking and you think, okay, well, I don't see anything, even scan it with binoculars. And then you take two steps out there and you sit, you hear one go and run off, man, how did I not see them? But you, you just don't, they got their head peeking, you know, a quarter inch over a little hill and you don't see them. You can't see them. And but yeah. they see you. That's what, one of the biggest things people ask me is what do you do when they, get to about 80 yards and they won't come in 
what you do is you don't call at them anymore and you sit there for an hour and you let them the you let their you know you let their mind take over and they think that the hen left and they come walking up there if you keep yelping at them they're just going to stay at 80 yards locked up so you play hard to get and here they go so and it's hard when you're watching, when you're trying to sit there and be real quiet for a long period of time. We call it icing them. You call it icing a turkey when you be quiet on them for a long time. And, the, and one tip that I can say to anybody who may be listening to this is uh, watch your, have a watch or have a phone because it, I like to do 15-minute silence intervals. Sometimes if that doesn't work, step it up to 30. But you need to watch your watch or your phone because a 15 minutes of silence when you're working a turkey may be like three in your mind. Yeah, right. So you need to watch the clock to make sure that you're really being as quiet as you need to be to get him to move. Mm. Because if you keep talking to him, he's just going to sit out there and gobble, you know, most of the time, especially in public land. So. That public land hunting, man, that's, that's, it's a different deal. They're getting pressure from all over and you don't know, yeah. you don't know how much they had yesterday or, or or what you know yeah a lot of times you got to use the opposite tactic on the public land turkeys like you get a ridge and you put your buddy you get the turkey gobbling and you get on one side of the turkey tell your best bud your best hunt buddy to go all the way around the other side on the ridge you start calling at him and the turkey walks away because he's so used to calling pressure and your buddy kills him going away down the ridge Mm -hmm. so there are things you can do on public land that are uh that you can do to get them if you're, when you're on public land. <laughs> that is one tip that I just said that was very effective. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would work on private land too, I guess, if you, if you knew that the, if you, if you had seen that behavior before, like if you just keep Especially calling it. turkeys where the hens are going to take them away. Um, when they got a big harem of hens, if you tell your buddy to loop them and you start yelping it, and it's on a ridge, like a terrain situation where they're going to walk the ridge then you most of the time you got them that way. Mm-hmm. So when you're telling uh, your friend to, to make a loop around them and you're on a ridge and you know, it's dry or whatever, and you're making there, you can be pretty loud in the woods, even if you're really trying to be very quiet, how far around them do you need to go to where they can't hear you? Or do you need to just use the land to where they can't see you? Uh, a lot of times, believe it or not, on ridge turkeys, when they hear that noise, they come to you, gobbling, oh. thinking it's another hen. Yeah. So you got to be careful in that aspect. But uh, I like to try to get around 200 yards down ridge of them mm-hmm. and have somebody call them to you, you know. And that happens a lot with older turkeys, too, where you got to loop them and have them go the other way. Mm. And then I guess it could, you could, your buddy could get down there. And if that turkey doesn't come, maybe they make a call and it, comes bounces back to you yeah yeah and then sometimes you sit there so long being silent waiting for them to come into your buddy that you get it yeah (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome so uh how much more turkey hunting do you have this season oh we're totally done totally Uh, done uh, yep season ended may 2nd in alabama and so it's um it's it's on to other things uh-huh and the other things that have occupied your interest lately been tarpon fishing i know that yeah that's it's a yeah 
that, that I have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem that, that a lot of us have. Uh, and it becomes a problem because, uh, man, when you see that going down, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. The tarpon fishing. I know we're going to go, um, in August. I've got it on my calendar. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to it too. Um, very much. So that's a, that's an interesting game y'all play. I'm, I'm learning. So, uh, it's, it's, it's very, I'm, it's a very fun thing to be, you know, to watch and to, and to learn, and, you know, just like everything. It's, it's kind of like you were saying, it's just like doing one little thing, but you could do one little thing different and be that big of a difference. It, it does. Great. And you know, the tarpon and the turkey, I think are, well, I don't know. I don't know if the turkey has this, but the tarpon for sure can be a very shy fish. It can be a, it can be a fish that, that, you know, any little movement, any little, anything, just they don't like it and they're, and they're gone. And then on the other hand, they can be super aggressive and they can also, um, eat, you know, fish table scraps right off the, of every fillet table in South Florida. And they just have all of these different, um, kind of behaviors like, like that being the, being the fish that's at the fish cleaning table. I mean, they will inhale an entire fish skin off a 40 pound dolphin. Like it's nothing like, you know, and, and they'll eat an entire fish head and we're throwing little flies at them that are two inches long. And we're thinking that's too big. And then if you go to the fish cleaning table, they're eating these massive things. When you're fishing them at the bridge, they're eating these two and a half pound mullet, like, and, and doing it very, very aggressively. So I find that the tarpon is, is just a a really, it's just an interesting fish because it has all of these different things that can turn them on, um, or turn them off, you know, like, I don't know. It's just a, it's just an interesting fish and you get in these different situations and different, different, um, places and, and they act different. And if you're prepared for it, you know, good for you. You can, you can handle it. Like if you go to a place and and all you have is fly tackle, you may not, you may not have any chance of catching them. If you go to a place and all you have are, are, are live mullet, you may not have any chance of catching them. But if you take the live mullet to where that works really well, it's unbelievable. And the same thing with the fly. If you can get into these situations where um, the fly is, is what they want. If you cast a live mullet over there, it would just blow them all up. Like they, they would yeah. just blow up. The fly seems to be, I mean, the way that you can keep the fly where it needs to be seems to be the deadliest from what I've seen. I mean, there may yeah. be something else out there, but. Well, there's I mean, just different situations, you know, like if they're all sitting in a channel or sitting in a bridge or sitting somewhere um, in deeper water, you know, you're not going to be able to present the fly in a way that right. that's going to yeah. be interesting to them. Um, but. I don't know. They're just a different fish, you know, totally different fish. Nothing against my knees shaking in my heart beating like that. <laughs> not, no, no turkey, no deer, no nothing. Yeah. Uh, just nothing, nothing yeah. in the world. No. Think about those things all year now. That's a bug that I, I have. Yeah, I know. Well, a lot of people, a lot of people get that bug real quick because uh, yeah. there, there are an amazing fish like that. Um, all right, man. Well, uh, what an incre- incredible year you've had with the with the uh, the slam 
turkey and then this this uh albino turkey i mean really it, it when you think back on your your turkey hunting career i know you've you've had some you've done some amazing things and probably some of the most amazing things very similar to my fishing career are things that would never stand out in a record book or anything like that but it's getting someone a particular fish that they just were not going to be able to get with you without you or you know in your case a, a particular turkey that just you know, maybe it wasn't even a very impressive turkey, but a lot of times those those um, you know stack up at, at your career. When you look back on it, you're like, "That's one that I'm really, really proud of." But as as your turkey career kind of stacks up, how did this year compare to uh, to others? It was it was a great year simply because I, I, I hunted less. I uh, a two year old and a six month old, so I, I hadn't been able to go every day like all the time. And, uh, and, um, but, uh, out of all the years, uh, I guess when the best turkey hunt that I've had is when my, when I, I mean, I took my wife for five years trying to get her a turkey and that was the best turkey still. She's never been back, but, uh, <laughs> that day was to me the best one because it's taken five years for us to kill that turkey to get her. She had, I'd, I'd been pretty hard on her for those couple of years and, uh, when she finally killed that turkey, that was my favorite turkey. Listen, it was her favorite turkey too, because she didn't have to go anymore. Hey, look at there! <laughs> hey, Mister Tom, <laughs> you are covered up with band aids. What is going on with your she legs? Band aids? Do you? Your dad likes band aids too, but he has—he actually needs them. <laughs> hey, hey Mister Tom. Hi. <laughs> when's when's uh, our first turkey? When are you gonna go turkey hunting, Jill? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she will. Something tells me that she'll be she'll be gone. She might catch a tarpon first though. She likes she likes to talk to feed the uh tarpon. Yeah. Uh we feed them uh plastic zoom worms. Yeah. That's a great yeah. thing to feed them. Yeah. That's a great we thing. We stick uh worms in the striper now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well listen man i know you got your hands full i can see everybody's coming home and that's a perfect way to end it man i appreciate you telling us the story of the the uh grand slam congratulations for that and then really congratulations on the on the pieball turkey too and uh and uh also congratulations on you know, putting your priorities at at the top and spending more time with your family that's awesome i'm glad to hear that yeah we gotta get you stripe y'all striper fishing this year i'm I'll ready man at them today. did you i'm ready yeah. you just you tell me when and i'll be there all right okay buddy hey listen graham thank you and as always uh it's it's great to uh to connect with you you're one of my favorite people to hunt and fish with and i i really learn something new from you every time tell people how they can follow you and see what you're up to and what you've been doing um, well, most of my fishing stuff's on uh, Instagram at uh, Graham Taylor, and then my hunting, my turkey stuffs at Alabama Land. If you'll, if you want to see a lot of turkey pictures and things of that nature, it's on Alabama Land. Right on. If you need a farm, you can help them with that too. Yeah, I can. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. All right, man. Have a great day. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk and fish and hunt soon. Okay. Sounds good. Say All bye, right. Mr. Tom. Bye, bye. to you. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>